guess probably most of you know that 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 song we just sang was written by a I believe he was the king's daughter or she was king of Sweden and I don't remember all the details but there was a preacher in our Estadian revival probably Sweden who was called on the carpet you might say for his ideas and his his things he was teaching and it came to the point where he was to go and testify before royalty and he did that and there was I think there's quite a story on it all the trappings that go around it I don't remember but he he did he did that and as a result his testimony of faith was heard by this Princess Eugenie and her heart was changed I think that growing up in wealth and splendor and there was something missing maybe some of these maybe some of these people in, in royalty or in, in any kind of wealth and popularity and all this maybe some thrive on it but maybe there are those that as it was in this case that realized that life is incomplete this man who was to testify before the rulers of the country I believe with that intention that he would be he would be brought up short and, and taken out of his preaching position it uh, ended up bearing good fruit so we never know where this word might might find a, an abiding place in a person's heart I'm going to take a text very familiar text from the fifth chapter of Hebrews speaking of that rest that a child of God enters into and is a part of <clears throat> I read from the fifth chapter. Pardon me, fourth chapter of Hebrews, ninth verse through to the sixteenth verse, the end of the chapter. Reading these words in Jesus' name. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he hath also ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our, of our infirmities, but was on all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father. And from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be multiplied to each one gathered here. 
today, now and forever. Amen. And I want to bring greetings from our our little trip. We made a fast trip down to about halfway down the Washington coast. The, the Beth's family, the Curdy family, had a reunion, I think the first one they've ever had. And we rushed down there and rushed back and and we had we had a couple of afternoons and evenings. We had a had a little get together. Whoever wanted to come and and uh, read from the word and talked and sang a bunch of songs and things like that. And so we had some fellowship there, and, and people wanted to relay their greetings to anyone here that they might know, or all the Christians and. I guess whether we know each other or not, we can relay those greetings from, from our Heavenly Father. And then Wednesday night, Emma threw a wrench into our plans. She, she came back with us, so we, we had to go another 150 miles south, and we went down to, to Astoria. And, and Wednesday night, there was a, a service at the Astoria Church, and this uh, I guess I smile a little bit. This Finnish minister who was born and raised in America spoke there, and he spoke very well. I guess he was at the at the uh, convention services also. So there was greetings from the Astoria folks too, Alex and Rebecca and Ben and Carol and, and all those people. So be greeted from them. And as as we traveled, I guess just because. Maybe, maybe because I'm asked to get up here and speak occasionally, and I'm sure everyone who who takes his place sees that we, or I'll just say I travel and I look around, and and even the physical side of of the busyness, and it seems like we fought bumper to bumper traffic for about 2,500 miles on this trip. There was a few a few stretches of 10 miles here and there that didn't have thick, heavy traffic, and I don't mind driving, but I, I do get tired of that after several days of it, but, and then we see with, we see with troubles and trials, even within the church, and we know the world is, is uh, thick with trials and troubles, but even in the church, there's, there's things that are taking place and happening, and, and more and more we see that the only constant we have is, it, is in this word. We have people and their ideas and, and the ways of the world all around us. And, and we zero in and we, I guess I have these thoughts that, you know, we, we were at the ocean there one afternoon and, and, uh, kids had some activities and you think well this ocean is fairly constant the mountains are fairly constant and these kind of things we see but the word teaches us to to look into things with more depth than what we see naturally speaking we know that oceans rise and fall and we know that mountains come down and in that way they're fairly constant but we don't want to put our trust in them but this word remains the same. And it's 
I guess we might say it's a it's a, such a blessing it takes your breath away when you think of it. How how it does remain the same. And when this we we find our way through this life with this as as Beth's dad used to call it, this word being like a road map when we're traveling that it gives us direction. We have destinations we reach and, and we have direction to go on. And we have a final destination, which is, is to reach heaven's shore. As, I guess that's putting it poetically, but we want, to make, we want to make a successful journey through this life. And this word is a constant. It's always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. I didn't have a lot of time to look into anything here, but... The third chapter here before this one I, I read speaks about considering Jesus Christ. Actually, back in the second chapter, at the top of the page, it says, Christ above the angels, why he assumed human nature and the danger of unbelief. And if you read, I don't know who writes these little quips at the top, but if you read, if you read the chapters, you see that Christ came to this world and even though we exalt him to be God himself, God and Christ are one and we're told through the word that that they dwell together, one and the other, and they, they both dwell in us and we with him and these kinds of things. And But we see here, it says, Thou hast put all things in subjector in subjection under his feet speaking of Jesus for in that he put all all in subjection under him he left nothing that is not put under him but now we see not yet all things put under him but we see Jesus I, I guess I, I feel this is this is saying that even though the work of salvation is done the work in this world isn't done that we we have as, as Isaiah speaks there at the time of his conversion, he asks the question that how long am I supposed to... He, he, he offers that, that now that I'm... I guess that's the way I, I read it, that now that I'm a child of God and come into this most precious of faiths, send me. And I don't think he, he says that in, in any human pride. He just feels that others have to know of the goodness that I have come to know but there's still more work to be done here. And this word does the work. We see, But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that, we, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. He tastes death, death for us. For it became him for whom all for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through salvation. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to be called their brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my children. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the midst of the church, I will sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, Behold, I am the children which God hath given me. 
So I guess I've probably said it many times before how, how Jesus was with God in the very beginning. He's always been. And in my mind, if I try to think of how would it be that God would send his son to this world, I would automatically think he would send him down as, as some kind of a heavenly glorified being and, and we would just stand there in awe and we would all be drawn to him. That in my own mind. But to send him as a as a child into a, an inhospitable world where even the kings and the rulers of the land tried to do away with him at, right from birth, basically, that doesn't, that doesn't seem to be what I would think or recommend should be the case, but that's what happened. So, so we see him, him coming into this world. We see him, as I said, this little quip at the top of this is why, why he assumed human nature. And, and the danger of unbelief. And then it speaks of Moses and, and the children of Israel and how, how they provoked God. And there's a warning to us that don't, don't go into that, don't go that way, that our, our lives and our thinking and our ways would provoke God. And, and I even think, how is it that God can be provoked? Uh, how can we needle him to the point where he would take away blessings from us? And it's possible. It does happen, according to this, this scripture. Not that we work out our salvation with our, our natural thinking and our natural good works or anything. But it says here, But as Christ, a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope, firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation in, your, in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with, this, with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Because, because they provoked him, because they fell into unbelief and didn't seem to care about it or do anything about it, it's not the unforgivable sin to fall into unbelief. It's not something any, anybody would recommend, but people do that. And, and we can easily fall into a state where we have doubts and fears and maybe not live in a life of unbelief, but we can certainly fall into a state where where we wonder where where God is sometimes in different situations and things like this. But these people fell away and stayed away and it seems like they did nothing about it. So God takes away that hope of heaven for these individuals. He has that power. I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. And it speaks different things about this rest and it, it's, this rest is, is that we would come into come into faith come into a world where faith is leading and guiding and we are able to believe and we are able to to uh, 
conquer sin and wrongdoing that's all around us and, and even as close as, as to be in our own hearts. So this that I started says, Therefore there remaineth, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. To assure us that even though there's trouble all about us, that we can still believe. We can still enter into that rest. This doesn't mean, this doesn't mean a physical rest. We know that even in the natural world, when you put in a long hard day, you need rest. And, and it's not talking about that, but it's talking about resting from our own works, our own labors, our own ambitions. And we might, we might sometimes think that, that that's far from us, but we know that any time man's thinking comes into any facet of our lives and we try to draw from our own energy, our own thinking, our own ideas or, or ideas of other people that are not based on this word, it becomes a work. Our, 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 uh, our laboring and our, our way and our road to heaven becomes a work. And we know that, that God does not bless that. For he that is entered into his rest, he hath also ceased from his own works as God did from his. So he gives us that example that actually earlier there he gives us that example how God created the world and he rested from his works. And we know that God wasn't out there with a with a, a toolbox and, and doing all this kind of work. We know that his, his, uh, his word does the work. He, he simply pronounces or says, let it be, and it takes place. And these things are still happening. Sometimes we might have a hard time seeing it around us. But if he wishes to bless a land, that land will be blessed at, at his word and at his bidding and at his calling. And if the land is not to be blessed, or a nation, or a country, or whatever, even a field of grain, it won't be blessed. And it's at the word of God. We don't, we don't question why. I remember as a kid hearing about two old fellows in the neighborhood, and, and one got hailed and the other one didn't. And, and the one that didn't said, well, now you've got to explain to your neighbors that it's because you're a child of God that you didn't get hailed and he's an unbeliever that he did get hailed and, and this man had said well but tomorrow I might get it and he might not so he, he wasn't going to try and second guess this kind of a thing or or use this as a, a basis for why he didn't get hailed because he's a child of God because God, God teaches us in the word that he sends rain on the just and the unjust so but Things are done at his word. And we know that Jesus is the word of God. And here it speaks of, of what this word is. Let us th- labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. We don't want to fall into unbelief like the children of Israel did. I know there's controversy in, in that when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea and, and I remember the old preacher Alvin Hongren speaking about that and saying that 
his, his mother in the old folks' home when she was in her late years would, would ask him a question every time he came to see her. And one time she asked him, what was the greatest song service ever? And he, he didn't know what she was getting at and he thought of a few different things that he had, he had said to her. And she said it was when the, when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. And we don't know the exact numbers, but possibly millions of people that say they sang with one voice praises to God. And those same people then down the road, it, there are the ones it's talking about here that they provoked God. And God takes away the blessings out of their lives. He takes away that hope of salvation, a gift, the greatest gift that any man has ever been given and received but because of their unbelief he takes it away they weren't thankful for they they were thankful (coughs) for crossing the Red Sea and it says that they noticed and saw that the Egyptians didn't make it behind them they were floating there and their carcasses and their chariots and their horses were drifting around they were dead this, this whole unbelievably huge thing that had happened that, that nothing more than that God had just just performed miracles the whole thing happened with miracles and they were thankful for that then they get into the these desert lands and they weren't very far along and they were mumbling and grumbling that that this this good food and all these things comforts we had back in Egypt even if if, if they were in slavery physically speaking, in slavery to the Egyptians. They thought, this is better than us dying in the, in the deserts, in the wilderness. Man's thinking came in there. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. We don't physically labor. We don't go out and do good works or, or preach to people of our own understanding, but we simply hopefully can introduce their word into their lives. And and I also say hopefully they could see that we have something they don't have. And and would have a, a longing and a yearning for that, a hungering and thirsting that I want to enter into this same rest that I can see my, my brother seems to have. And then it zeroes in on the word. Know that in in the Epistle of John and in the, in the Gospel of John, two, two different Johns, it says how that which was from the beginning, which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes and have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and shew unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. It speaks about the word there and how that comes into our life. And as Paul said when he was in Athens that that in him we live and move and have our being. And whether that's talking about our Heavenly Father or 
more specifically, the Lord Jesus Christ, is, who is our mediator between me and my Heavenly Father, each of us. It's talking about this word and the work that it does. Here it says, this is, this is the word dealing with you and I each day. It says the word of God. And, and we see there in the, in the Gospel of John how it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. We were able to see the glory of, of Christ, of our living God and of this word, which are all one and the same thing. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. These, these uh, things that, that we all have, I, I'm, I'm not here to explain what some of this stuff means, but it says soul and spirits, joints and marrow, This word is a discerner. In other words, when we discern something, we we look into it as deeply as is possible. And we might see hidden things there. And this word is full of hidden things. But our hearts are with our with our we might say the nature the human nature we have and this this decrepit nature that we have, we can cover up sin. We can cover up our emotions. We can cover up where we are on, on, on a subject or, or our thoughts. It says this word opens these things up. It gets down. It says it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's, quick means alive. It's a living word. When we, when we get cut to the quick in your arm or something, that's, it gets, it got more than just the, the very very surface it, it gets down there where it hurts it said this word is quick and powerful remember that John how he said that John the Baptist said that he he preaches with or he, he teaches and and uh, a uh, baptism water baptism but he said Jesus would come and his baptism would be that baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it would be with power. It says this word is powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Not, we, we can't compare it to just a, a natural knife we might have, have in our pocket or whatever. We can't compare it to a natural thing. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It opens up. It, if, we, if we look at this word... And if we have that desire, which I think we always pray that, and, and keep that in mind when we come to services or, or even in our everyday uh, life, keep that in mind that, that this word would make us aware of, of the direction it would want to lead us. And, and that we could be obedient, follow those directions. And, and often... As I mean, most of us know that it doesn't come as a big banner floating in front of your eyes and neon lights and these kinds of things. It doesn't come that way. It comes in a quiet but a powerful way. We, we should always pray, and, and, and I speak to myself more than anyone else, that, 
that we could be attentive to what this word would have to say to us. Every day we have decisions to make. Every day we have troubles and trials. Sometimes we go through through deep things that take months or years. And, and we wonder why we're going through this. And, and I say in my ignorance, I'll just say that I always think, well, I didn't need this. I didn't, I didn't need this trial. I didn't need this wrench thrown into my transmission. Maybe we did need it. I always have to come to that, that God knows much, much more than I do about this situation. It says that it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This is where, this is where sin starts. It starts down deep inside. It starts in our minds, our intentions, our thoughts. It discerns these things. It opens them up. And as, as I, as I read so, so many times in, in, uh, John 3.16, that, that famous verse that, how, how men deal with, with these things. It says, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come here to condemn. And it's not very far down in, in the, I think it's just in the same book. It says, who is he that condemneth? It's Jesus that condemns. But that's not why he came. He condemns, as we see here, that he condemns because people don't believe. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world. See a picture in my mind of a, a man who is who has got light shining on him and he's fearful and he's trying to get away from that. That's what men do with light of their own understanding, of their own accord. The condemnation is that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Their heart led them into darkness and they want to stay there. They're comfortable with that. But as Brother Dick used to say, that they're dead in trespasses and sins. They're not... They're not aware that I'm a sinner. The word enlightens us. It teaches us that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. He comes and stands in the light, and the light shines on him and shines into that darkness. And, and this message is given to him that something's not right here in your life. Many things are not right in your life. He doesn't like to hear that. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest. Here it says that the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It opens it up. It brings light into our lives. We, we have, a, have a desire to enter into this rest, this, this rest that, that speaks of that we can rest in Christ. We don't have to be under that, 
that the world puts on us. It's a slavery. It's a driving. And, and, and I know, I, I, I've witnessed it for all my adult life. There are people who are driven, even in their, they might have the nature where they, they drive themselves in their, in their work and in their ambitions and that, but in their spiritual life they drive themselves also. They're going to accomplish and they're going to do and they're going to, I don't know, make a mile or whatever you want, might want to call it. We, people come into this rest of God. They can leave that all behind. They don't have to be a driver. But we have to be obedient to this word. It will lead us. The Holy Spirit is, is, is being sent to us to lead us into, into truth. Lead us into all truth and hopefully the light shines around us. People can see that. So here it says, He that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. And, and we know the process is, as I think Claire spoke here a little while ago about Paul and his conversion. He finds that he's, he's a sinner. He falls to the ground and his friends that are traveling with him help him get into the city of Damascus because he's lost his eyesight. I think there's a spiritual meaning to that, that this sight and this direction this, and this ambition that he had to do all these things for God was taken away. He was, he was almost left there helpless and lifeless. He sees Jesus in that light that outshone the sun. And he has to be directed to go to this man, Ananias, in, in the city of Damascus. And Ananias protests when he is told what, he is to, what he's supposed to do. And he says, this man has authority or letters or whatever you might want to say to do away with people like me. I'm not real excited about going and seeing him. God says, just go. Paul is a chosen vessel of mine. I will show him. And we know that he showed, God did show him what things or what life laid ahead of him. He suffered many things, but, but he had a conversion there. He dealt with his sin. He put away his sin. It doesn't say that in the actual account, but later on in Acts it says this, this all happened that his sins could be remitted. All this took place. So his heart was opened up by a power that we can't muster of ourselves. And I, I even wonder if sometimes people brag about how much sin they've been into and they try and outdo the next guy. It's human nature. No repentance takes place. There's no sorrow for sin in that kind of a thing. Paul was sorry for his life. 
we read there how he says that he, he doesn't even deserve to be a child of God. I persecuted the church. He put to death people in his zealousness and his own ambition. When he entered into this rest he's talking about, he ceased from all that. He went about with the same kind of energy, maybe more. He's now working under, we might say, new directions. I have a peace in my heart the world never gave, we sing. The world can't take it away. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I like that expression, with him, with whom we have to do. It doesn't say with our living Heavenly Father, but that's what it's talking about, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe it's written that way. I'm not questioning God, just so we give it a little thought with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. This, this isn't a natural profession like I was a plumber and a truck driver and these things and, and a heavy equipment operator. It has nothing to do with that. Absolutely nothing. Our profession is that which we profess. We profess faith. We profess this name of Jesus that is not really welcome in many parts of this world and in many hearts. It says hang on to that. At Dad's funeral, I just had a few words with Ray Hillman, who was 92 or 94 at the time or something, and he was bright and chipper, and I asked him about just a few things about Dad's repentance and coming into faith. And he said he was about 18, and Dad and Ray were friends from, from the time they were little boys. Ray was a couple of years older, and he said, I remember him wanting to put things away and, and, and believe and be a Christian, and he struggled with that for a few, a few months. And I know that Dad had even made out a list of things, written down a few things, and, and had this list, and, and they, were, they were things he was trying to deal with and struggle with, and... and and Ray says when he had a, a true repentance and grasped faith, he hung on. Makes me cry. I know my dad probably better than most. And he was far from perfect and we didn't agree on everything. But when Ray said that, it struck a note. He hung on. And it says here, hold fast. Let us hold fast our profession. We don't believe in myths and fables and tales and unusual things that might happen in our lives sometimes and and we might give glory to God and it might be okay and it might not. But when we hang on to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that anchor will hold. 
holds fast. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our, our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. We hang on to one who was without sin and who died for us and rose victorious over all wrongdoing. We hang on to him. We won't go wrong. It says he was tempted in all points, even as we are. Yet without sin. That's the difference. We are tempted and we fall and we fail and we make mistakes and we despair over it sometimes and wonder why it has to be this way. An old preacher told me one time when I was down and out and wondering how it, how it is that we can believe and stay in, in believing. He said, it's not a matter of how many times we fall, but it's a matter of us getting up and going again and moving on. We receive those blessed words and assurance that our sins are forgiven from a brother or sister, a believing friend or whoever it may be can assure us Jesus died and rose again for that whatever it might be you're struggling with. Believe. It's a command to believe. And God gives faith to believe. I've experienced it. I can, I can speak for it. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain, obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Any time we find ourselves in need, go to the throne of grace. Go to this word. Go to Jesus. He dwells in your brother or sister or husband or wife or children or parents. Seek him out. He's never, ever, ever left anyone going away empty. But he fills. He gives us hope. He gives us joy. He gives us strength to carry on. May this May this word be blessed in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we receive the benediction? May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.